Welcome to The Black Athlete, a podcast where we put the past into the present of black sports. I'm Lewis Moore. I'm Derek White. We're sports historians here to give you the historical context for contemporary black athletes. And welcome back to The Black Athlete. I'm Lewis Moore, the author of I Fight for a Living and We Will Win the Day. And you can check out my Amazon Audible lecture on Adam, on Amazon's about the black athlete called the African-American athlete. I'm Derek White, author of The Challenge of Blackness, the Institute of Black World and Politics of the 1970s, as well as Blood, Sweat and Tears, Jake Gaither, Florida and m and the History of Black College Football. Welcome back, Lou. Oh, man. Good to be back. Um update got three more weeks of the semester it might be two more weeks i don't know anymore uh but i am i am i am getting ready for winter break i have uh purchased some movies i uh so i did a uh a talk for this major company and they paid me in script <laughs> anyway <laughs> in movie dollars <laughs> and and like it's use it or lose it by now and like i've bought all my kids these movies and i bought myself uh boomerang i'll be watching that i'll be watching boomerang and bingo long's all-star um so all the all, all these black classics like uh soldier stories so and then i also on my own dime bought myself some madden 21 on xbox one so all you listeners anytime you want to you want to get it let me know actually i've never played so i'm not that good uh i stopped <laughs> seriously playing madden like Oh gosh, it had to be like five years ago when my um, PS3 broke down, and we were just—I had no money. That was it um, to to get a system. So that was it. And then I tried to pick it up. I got an Xbox One. That book money came in uh, a couple years ago, <laughs> and I tried to buy one of those older Mads, and I'm, and I'm just terrible. And I don't have the time anymore. But Christmas break before I got to start getting ready for um, winter semester where i'm teaching a four four load again um and i gotta do it online i will be playing video games and watching movies so that is that is what is up i mean you there's some academic work you gotta do too but i'm just you know I'm yeah, not yeah, yeah there is but some I, but I'll, I'll be playing video games too so i can't even front i always uh shout out to my my younger brother who uh will not be making uh, Christmas because of uh, COVID this year. But one of the things that we've done in the past is we just were like, oh, what's, what's the hot new video game? Let's pretend like we're like teenagers again and just stay up late drinking bourbon and playing random video games. You drank bourbon as a teenager? Not as a teenager, oh, but I'm about to say, woo! But tell your parents. It used to, it used to be Coke, and now and now it's bourbon and <laughs> now it's Jack and Coke. Right. Um, no, so that you know, I get that. I get that. We got actually. I'm putting this out here. We're gonna put it on the pod and record it. We're gonna we're gonna have a pod about video game esports here shortly. So just be on the lookout for that. We got special guests like in the queue. We just got to set that up. If we had a booking agent, that's when they would come on and be like, they're gonna work on it. But we are definitely gonna happen. Hopefully before Christmas. Um, but yeah, man, it's exciting. Uh, what else has been happening? You got three more weeks. I'm done with school, man. Like we're done. Don't do that. Don't do that to me. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, that's it. That's all I got. I got a couple more weeks of school. That's all I know. I don't, I don't, I don't know what day it is. I don't know what's all left for the kids, students to turn in. I just know that 
it's all going to be turned in like the last minute and I'm just going to be flooded with stuff. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I got a, I got a little bit of grading left and, uh, and then it'll be done. Great. I think grades are due on Monday. So I need to, Ooh, to jump on that. on that. Yeah. You know, it's good. It's good. It's good. Well, I think we got it under control. Um, and so, you know, our last podcast, we had, a, 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 you know, pro basketball hall of famer, Spencer Haywood on the, uh, on our podcast, and so you should definitely check that out. So it's just back to us regular uh, professors this week. Uh, and what we're doing this week is, you know, we're just running down, right? The sports world is is teetering and hanging on by a thread um, as all the major college and professional sports are still struggling with COVID, uh, but still plotting and, pro- and and pushing forward, trying to carry forward the day. Uh, into 2021, and so let's talk a little bit. Let, where you want to start today? Where you want to start? I'm, you know. Let's um do real quick, real quick. I got this on my mind. I'm, I'm gonna forget it, and then we'll get to the COVID. Can I? Uh, can I? I'm gonna call that. What do they call that? An audible. I am. I'm in Peyton Manning at the line, calling the audible. Omaha. So yesterday, yesterday, <laughs> Omaha, Omaha. Yesterday, I did this panel on, on Negro League baseball. It was, um, you know, with the University of Washington. You know, shout out to the Pac-12 uh, to come get these little guys out here at Grand Valley State. Um, but anyway, one of the points I had like ten minutes to speak. And one of the things I may, uh, mentioned, and this has kind of been going around lately. Um, LA Times did a piece on it. HBO Max, uh, Real Sports. If you have HBO Max or HBO, or, you know, if you're balling like that, you've seen it. Uh, Negro Leagues and stats and Major League Baseball um, incorporating the stats of Negro Leagues and the whole push. And one of the things I was saying was like kind of this, I don't know if I t- articulated correctly or, or right, but the whole idea of double consciousness and two-ness and, and measuring oneself by the, you know, others in the world. And I was making the point that they – we don't necessarily have to push for these stats to be included, not because of the barnstorming and stuff, but just because you don't need stats to, to solidify how great Josh Gibson was, how great cool Papa bell was or Smokey Joe Williams or Satch because the people said they were great. You know what I mean? Like that was my main point. The people we came out in the, you know, the twenties the thirties and the teens, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To see these guys because they were great. And I don't need to know if somebody hit 287 for 10 years to say that. I just (laughs) know that on Sunday, people dressed their best to go see them, right? They spent the little money they had to go see these players. And that's that's good enough for me. So I don't need, you know, that love. I don't need, like, stuff to be measured. Well, I think the other thing is, too, is that baseball people said that they were good, right? And And I think that that's, I think that gets lost in our discussion. I think this is... A particular, I mean, this is a problem as a person who's written on, you know, black college sports, uh, black college football in particular, and trying to, you know, people like, you know, how do you judge Florida, you know, University of Florida versus Florida A&M at their prime, right? And they never, because they never played, right? And Negro Leagues never had this problem as acutely as as college sports as, you know, these guys played against each other in, in winter ball and then the barnstorming games, et cetera. But I think that the point of if we value the judgment of people who are who were close to the game, uh, their assessment of these players uh, should be uh, nearly enough. And I think that's an important thing. And, and I think that one of the things that baseball is trying to do, uh, and we talked about this a little bit, 
is in my mind, because baseball has become such a stat driven fan game. I think this is an important piece, right? Like the, the, the fans of baseball are increasingly uh, uh, enamored with stats that the only way they can understand value is through that medium. Right. And I think that the whole, the whole push to have Negro league stats is to demonstrate value. Um, I think that's one thing. The other part is if you incorporate the Negro league stats, it allows, it, it mutes the criticism that I think when we were coming up, at least when I was coming up that I used to hear folks say that, you know, look, Babe Ruth might've been great, but we don't know if he's the greatest, <laughs> right? Because he didn't face all these pitchers, these Negro League pitchers, or, you know, what would Josh Gibson have done when he played against these other guys, right? Like, I, I think that by incorporating the stats of the Negro Leagues into Major League Baseball, like kind of like pro bat, like in a pro baseball sense, I right. think it is... Um, it mutes some of the the kind of criticism of segregation in some ways. So we integrated the stats in a way that we've not integrated. Uh, the the game itself was not integrated. Uh, it's a tricky situation. I mean, I think stats are, are excellent ways of of you know trying to do it, but it, you know it's a apples to oranges comparison in some right. cases. Right, and then, and the other thing is like. Look, I don't need stats to tell me that Eric Davis is the greatest baseball player ever. I don't need stats to tell me that Dominique Wilkins is the greatest <laughs> basketball player ever, right? Like, it's the eye test, and my eyes never, never fail. Speaking yeah. about basketball, I got to throw another audible. Let's can we do basketball? Yeah, go ahead, do it. Can we do what with yesterday the big trade and it, and what trips me out? I don't know if I'm just out of it or Twitter's just bored. Is that? You got the trade of Russell Westbrook for John Wall, and it just doesn't seem like it was like, like a big deal. And to me, I'm like, wow, this is it. It's not. Why not? I mean, because Russell Westbrook's been on two teams. This is his third team in like three years or something like that. Yeah, and I think John Wall and John Wall's been injured in an underperforming Washington, you know, franchise. I, you know, I think this is in in baseball. We would describe this as uh, a situation in which uh, both players need a new a change of scenery trade. That's what we would call this. Right? Russ, Russ ain't even been there a year, though. I mean, but it doesn't matter. It's a change of scenery trade, right? Like it's really a change of scenery for John Wall. Russ has already announced his desire not to play under the new regime in Houston. Plus, Houston. Um, uh, Tim Frittata, who is uh, the owner of the Houston Rockets, is uh, heavily invested in uh, pandemic influence enterprises such as restaurants, hotels, et cetera, casinos. <laughs> um, and so I'm sure he, as an owner, would like to get out from under that uh, trade. Uh, and at the same time, is it a way to keep James Harden, who's already announced that he's ready to go too. So it's, you know, it's a lot of, like to me, the real, the, the real blockbuster trade would, is when, if, and when James Harden gets out of Houston, I think that speaks very much. It speaks to the fact that, that Russell Westbrook's um, star status, while albeit that he's still one of the top 15 players in the NBA, he's not a top five NBA guy anymore. Right. 
Well, I think too what happened with Russ is the 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 microscope of the playoffs got to him, right? And you realize that that triple I think we're so hyper focused on the playoffs and what you do in the playoffs that that triple double type basketball, which was awesome because he was playing with no business. Like Steven Adams is just a serviceable big man in the league that has no big man. Right. Mm -hmm. But he was playing with nobodies and and putting up, you know, triples and stuff like that. Triple doubles. But like his, there's a limited skill set that he has. And, and in the playoffs, you could hone in on, especially on that Rockets team. Now, him moving to the East is a different animal because I don't think it's as heavy as as the West. And he was able to be the lead dog and take teams to the playoffs. But then again, it just doesn't – that that inconsistent mid-range and I'm going to come at you 100 miles per hour at all times, it's just it's just not championship basketball, right? But, but well, again, and, him and, and Bill – yeah. No, no. I mean, you're right. But I also say that it's also he's over 30 and that's also injury prone basketball as well. Right. Well, yeah, that's that's the remarkable thing about these guys today, that they're they they're able to kind of go still. And then when they get to 30, like, yeah, they're old. And like, here I am. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like at 42, like, yeah, yeah, they're definitely old. Like I could barely move or anything. Like every time I go to play basketball, I just pray I don't like bust my Achilles or, or have to call my wife to come pick me up because my knee's out of place. So, Yeah. No, that's, that's real. I, I feel I understand that, dude. I, I get it. I mean, like, he's 32 years old, and he just turned 32. And, you know, he plays a very aggressive style of basketball that uh, that is heavily reliant on uber athleticism. <laughs> and And – I think the one thing that he hasn't done, demonstrated, and it'll be interesting. I think this is a cast for all these guys, right? Um, you know, how does one transition into the savvy veteran, right? Like, I think for him, the role model is like Andre Iguodala, right? Like a guy who was heavily athletic, who turned into super veteran savvy, who played another eight, ten years with, right. with without the same kind of ex- – I mean, because – People watch the game today, but like, won't remember Andre Iguodala being crazy explosive. 20 point game. Guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, end to end, you know, dog, def- dog, a defender, and, and, and just explosive slasher. Um, and I think that that's, uh, you know, I think that'll be interesting. And I think the same, you know, it's funny is that John Wall has the same, the same issues, right? Like, you know, he. Worse. Right, he's coming off an Achilles a couple he's years. Back ago. to back injury, he's slight, and and I don't think he plays with the same dogged determination. Look at that dogged determination Look as uh, Russell Westbrook. I just don't. I think, and yeah, I just don't think so. Like I, I don't know. I don't know. It maybe does. I don't watch the must, you know, Wizards game or the Bullets game, whatever their name is. Um, the Wizards. They've been the Bullets in twenty years. Well, you know what. I'm gonna call them the Bullets because those those new city jerseys are fire that they have. That great, <laughs> um, but yeah, I just I don't know, I don't know. Um, but he was always like John Wall always stood out to me like man, this dude is the quickest mm-hmm. I've ever seen, and you just knew that once that quickness went away, he's in trouble because there was no there was no in between there was no vet teaching him how to you know rod strickland's probably not in his ear teaching him how to slow down and 
And you know what I mean? Like slow up his play. Crafty. So that he, 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 can so he transition? How do you yeah. transition from the athletic point guard to the crafty point guard? Right. Ask Allen Iverson. Couldn't, right? Like he just. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. We'll I feel like a lot of those dudes have, I mean, those two dudes have a lot of the same issues. John Wall's two, two years younger. He's 30. Um, but he's got a bigger injury, uh, you know, with the Achilles. Um, I mean, Bradley Beal is an interesting cat, right? Like, he's the one that if you restart, and if you're one of these teams that wants to make us, if you're the Bucks, the Warriors, the nah, man, not the Nuggets, um, right? Nah, they got the that. Clippers. Think, the Clippers. Right. Nah, yeah, I don't know that 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 athletic. Shout out to Athletic. I got their Black Friday deal for like one. What I get one dollar a month for for a year, and I set my. I believe I've set my calendar to remind me when that when that thing's up because I don't uh, someone's listening. I ain't paying. I don't know if I'm paying eight 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 bucks a month. But anyway, <laughs> that Clippers report was damning. Like like somebody had like beef with Kawhi and Paul George. Oh, and I'm they like, on the one hand, those dudes are superstars, right? And they get the treatment. So just be quiet and, and you know be quiet and take your ten mil a year. You know what I mean? Like big deal. Yeah. Uh, but on the other hand, I was like, yeah, that's just that just doesn't look right. Um, well, I think it doesn't look. Yeah. It's hard for that team in particular because they came up with the whole like we didn't really have no superstars, and they made the they made that first run, and then they traded for all these guys, right? Right. And I think that that's like team culture was one way, and then it turned into something else with higher expectations. And LeBron, you know, let's be real, like LeBron. Like, can we? Can I know this is your squad, but I'm, since we're on basketball, I'm gonna just shout out the Lakers front office for for really winning the off season. GM LeBron, yeah. GM yeah, LeBron, LeBron had a great. Is that who it is? Well, clutch, yeah. GM Clutch Sports is really who this is. Right. We'll see though. Like my thing with Schroeder is always the same. He's he's gotten better, but now he's got to learn. Like playing with LeBron. It's got to be a great experience, but it's also hard because there's, there's he demands a lot, but there's also you're getting the ball when and where he says you're getting the ball, right? And so, you if you're a ball dominant person, that's not going to work for you, right? And 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 so you have to be able to adjust your game. Now you're going to win a lot of games and you're going to taste success. And I think that at this stage of Schroeder's career, that should be a, be enough for him. Um, but we'll see, we'll see um, how that plays out. The most interesting thing about that team, and I think this is where they won, is that they got young legs. And we haven't seen LeBron play with guys with, with a bunch of young legs since, yeah. what, early Cleveland days? And and the problem with that, they needed a good vet because they would get up by 20 and just blow that lead. Yeah. Um, and now he's got some guys who – and because what I see LeBron doing is taking – He's he's looking at seven chips, right? Six or seven chips. And he's to to do that, he's gotta get 30, 35 minutes, right? Maybe this season and, and then go down to 30 minutes, right? Mm-hmm. So he's and then ratchet it back up for the playoffs. But I think he's plotting, he's playing, you know, chess. Uh he's plotting this out three, four years down the line. So his body's ready for for one good last push where he can get those rings. Yeah, um, and he's gonna need these, and he's gonna have to trust these young legs. Uh, that's the thing, like, yeah, and that's just—I think that'll be the interesting thing. Like, I'm reminded, it's this is you know, like we talk because we do history here on this pod. 
I think it's interesting to compare LeBron to uh, Kareem in L.A., right? And in 80, what, 86 or 87, he wins the finals MVP, Kareem does. But Magic does all the lifting. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like Magic does all the lifting from, like, 1980 when he arrived, 79, they win a title. And Kareem's still the, you know, he's still the captain and he's still the best player on the team. But those young legs, and in 84, whenever they lose to the Lakers, I mean, they lose to the Celtics, like, I think Kareem makes this decision either professionally or, or you know, personally that it's, it's Magic's team, you know? Right. And I think that's, you know, can LeBron, now that they've signed Anthony Davis to this five-year deal, how is he going to hand off this to Anthony Davis? And can Anthony Davis handle the load? Being the, you know, what I mean, like those are interesting right. questions. But at, on a just on a personnel level, the Lakers done have done really well in, um, you know, rebuilding uh, for next season. They've gotten younger, which is really hard to do when you've got you know two two vets who are making max money. Um, and I think that they are really poised to you know to defend their title. That's impressive. And uh, did we talk? We didn't because we haven't been on because we had Spencer Haywood. We talk about uh, we talked about Mike the, Tyson and Roy Jones. No, no. Did we talk about uh, Clay Thompson tearing his Achilles? I, no, 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 no. That's yeah. sad. Like it's sad, it's sad. years out. Yeah, and and I don't know if he'll ever. Um, I don't know. I don't know if he'll ever be the same. I was actually speaking about athletic. Uh, why I was taking my daughter to the orthodontist, and you know, COVID, I got to sit out in the car. I was just reading there. They have an article out there on the Achilles, um, Achilles injuries and stuff mm. like that. It's very good. Because um, your very, favorite very player, because your favorite player, Dominique, had an Achilles and he busted his Achilles. Um, you know, so let's 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 go back to that. So he got robbed off the Olympic team, and then he busted his Achilles that year, and so they got an excuse not to pick him. Uh, but Dominique came back, put up twenty eight a game, uh, and that's. When you're the greatest, you do that. You know, when you're greatest, you come off Achilles injury and put up 28 a game. Um, so I don't want to hear all this Kevin Durant, how good Kevin Durant, how good he is. We'll see what he does now. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but Clay, I just can we talk about Clay? I love the way Clay plays because that's how old man Lou Moore plays. Jerry, very, very efficient. Don't dribble a lot. Just, just, <laughs> just shoot. Uh, but I haven't played in a minute because of COVID. So, so, so. But when I get back in the, in the, in the in the gym, if that's possible, if I ever feel right playing with people, um, then, you know, I have a very Clay Thompson like game, even at the age of 42. So that's funny. No, I mean, I was it's sad. I like, I like the warriors are interesting as it's going to be like, I, I like storylines. I think that this is, you know, for us as scholars, right? Like we, you know, we're like a lot like journalists, like we like stories and we like narrative and to see, you know, when we think about how the ways that sports intersects with, you know, culture and politics, that's, you know, that's always our wheelhouse. But I think that the, that one of the things that makes sports so intriguing is that in many ways it's like a soap opera, right, with real live people and decisions and, um, you know, things can go crazy and sideways and left. Um, and I think that it makes for just intriguing sports. Um and now we've got a sports world with, uh, you know, with the extra variable, uh, with COVID as the bad guy in every episode. <laughs> right. Oh my God. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, COVID's out of his. I don't know if COVID's the bad guy anymore because we know the COVID's there. It's it's these leagues that keep doing and and whether it's the NFL or college and now it looks like the NBA might get into the mix. Like NBA was perfect during the bubble. I didn't I didn't I didn't think they could pull it off, but they pulled it off, right? And and they actually showed that this is the only way to to make it happen. Um, but like I was watching football on a Wednesday at like 440 or whatever. <laughs> Three, Roger Goodell at halftime. Like, can you imagine in the West Coast on a Wednesday? But Roger Goodell at halftime was like, yeah, we had the Baltimore Ravens 10 straight days of positive tests, but we decided to play off. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, I, and I, I never forget this. Like, I remember, because we did an episode in March about college yes. football coaches and but we shut down like March, probably March 11th, March 12th. These are one of those dates that will always be there with me, right? Like, yeah, Rudy Gobert got sick and the world stopped, mm-hmm. and now we're just like, ah, it's not gonna, it's not gonna kill the in, these NFL guys, the NBA guys. They might not be able to breathe right forever, <laughs> but we gotta make, we gotta, we got money to make. We got, you know, these commercials already got paid for, right? Like, you gotta play, yeah. Um, and it's gross to me, right? That they that they that they do this. Um, well, and I, I thought I, I want to yeah, say ahead. this. I want to say this. I think it's gross in one way and not another, right? Like I think that the professional sports have they have representation, right? And they are getting paid, and so they can do a cost benefit analysis for their own personal lives, right? And I believe in that, right? Like I think that they can opt out. They can opt in. Their labor uh, representation allows them to try to at least negotiate the terms of how this is going to play out. Right. I think the pandemic college sports is 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 far more problematic. Um, we talked. I talked to my colleague uh, Amira Rose Davis uh, um, a couple of weeks ago on her podcast about. Uh, Penn State and Maryland playing. And I think I said something of the nature. It's like, look, like neither one of these teams, none of these teams should be playing at this point, right? Like we should be concerned about the kids and their health. Um, But much like professional sports, like you said, the commercials have already been cut and paid for. The athletic budgets are there. People's retirements, like Coach Cal at University of Kentucky is getting his you know, eight, nine million dollars that's coming, whether or not they play a game. And so the only way to, to offset that loss is to play. But the problem is the players don't have any representation. Uh, and so we're just watching. I'm watching the end of college football come to a sputtering end. I mean, this is like an amazing like Maryland, my alma mater, uh, played one game in the last four weeks because of COVID. We had COVID. Wow. We missed two games. Uh, what, what are they, like two, one and one now, or they played? They we're uh, two and two. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, and we were supposed to play Michigan this weekend. Michigan now has COVID. Uh, Ohio State needs to play these last two games to be eligible for the BCS playoffs. Uh, and so I think part of the, the, you know, no one will say this on the record, but uh, allegedly, so we could say this, so we could go cover our butts. Allegedly, 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 but I think Michigan uh, used its positive COVID cases 
to uh, uh, to cancel the Maryland game in part because they need to get a control of it because they did not want to be seen as a team that backed out of the Ohio State Michigan game, which is you know important. Oh, uh, so, so so wait 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 back up. So they're they're not playing this week, so they'll be ready for next week. Right. I think that they. I think I'm not saying that they could have played this week. I'm saying if Ohio if this week was Ohio State, they would have played. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Right, and so it's Maryland, but but it's Maryland, and they don't want to have their because you know you got to practice, you got to be around one another, you have to do all this stuff. Uh, they feel like that as a, um, I think that increases the possibility of of you know tra- further transmission, right, and right. and and really would impale imperil. Um, the game against Ohio State, which Ohio State needs to happen in order to be eligible for the Big Ten championship, A, and then B, in order to be eligible for the BCS playoffs if they went out. Uh, and then given the nature of the Ohio State-Michigan game, um, which was an excellent documentary uh, from a few years ago, I think it was on HBO, uh, about the nature of that. I, uh, when I teach the class, I have to remind students that Ohio State and the University of Michigan are on the same street, separated by 200 miles. Really? I did not know that. I'm yes. Right. Yeah. Um, so you go out of Ohio State's campus and make a left. And if you stay, <laughs> yeah, if you make a left and you stay on that and go north and stay on that same road, it winds through Ohio and ends up in Ann Arbor. How about that? I, I uh, wow! I did not know that. I hate taking those back roads when sometimes we got folks out in Cincinnati. We take that, you know, that GPS sends us the wrong way. Like, <laughs> man, I don't want to be them back roads in Ohio are not fun at all. Like, not, no, they're, like, not. they're not. They're not. Like, oh, please don't let my nothing happen to my car because that's it. That's the that's the end of uh, Lou Moore. But the the thing that that's striking about the Michigan thing is that you know we we're you know we're in Michigan, right? And and. And Big Gretch, you know, the governor shut everything down except for college sports and pro sports because the idea was they have everything under control. And I'm like, they don't have everything under control. And I just wanted to know, like, who got into their ears, you know, the governor's ears and said, yeah, you can't shut down like big time sports. Right. Because they don't because they're there's their population is just like us. Right. I don't care how much testing you have. Those guys aren't going from the field to a bubble they're going from the field to the same places that we're going right right the same places so if if people in the in society are getting covid sore the players going to get it. they just might have the they have the ability to know sooner than us yeah but by the time they know it's spread you know what i mean it's yeah. spread to the next one baltimore ravens right <laughs> right it's spread to the next person. So I was like, I can't, when, when she's shut down because we're, well, my kids had to go. Cause I actually wound up putting my kids back in, in November and, and the little ones were going I have two third graders. They're going four days a week. Now it's back to two days a week. So now it's like, I'm basically virtual again, you know, screaming at my kid just to memorize the times tables because that's all I got. Right. Right. I think you've been on the phone with me when, when he was coming to, I was like, dude, you just got to memorize them. Like that's, <laughs> that's the only thing I can tell you. Right. Like, Cause that's the way tables. we learned it. <laughs> that's the way that's it. I can't tell you about no squares or nothing like that. Just memorize. So that's, that's my life now. 
Um, and I thought, like, for sure, when she put that out, like, football would be shut down, right? There's a hundred guys out there plus coaches, and they're not, you know, you shut down the campus, but no, like, this just shows you, like, they're essential workers, and and the show always, always goes on. Um, and it's to me, it's sad, right? Like that they 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 would put them through this for the money. Um, and that's that's the only reason why I can think about it because it's not like we need to be entertained, right? Like it's right. not like people made that stupid. Oh, I don't know what to do. Football's gonna. Hey, we got HBO Max, we got Amazon Prime, we got Netflix, we got everything to entertain us. You know what we got? The twenty-year-old kids. We got uh, we have blood, sweat, and tears. Uh, You can read that. Right. You go ahead, copy some blood, sweat, and tears. Learn about Jake Gaither. Right. Uh, But anyway, speaking about football and HBO Max, there's a documentary I just started today. Um, It's about Saint Anthony's, uh, Saint Francis. In Baltimore, oh yeah, yeah, St. Um, Francis Academy, yeah, the football team. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. There's some, some, some blindside savior complex things going on there. Um, but I, but I'm, I'm not watching it as an academic. I'm watching it more just you know entertainment. But if you guys are into like docs on like high school football uh, and race, it's a pretty good one. It's in the, it's in the hood in Baltimore at the oldest. Blacks uh, school in America, right? 1828, and it still exists. I mean, it's obviously an integrated school now, but it's predominantly, predominantly, it's got to be like 99% black now. Um, so, yeah, way to get off topic, Lou Moore. But, yeah. Yeah, no. Well, I want to go back to what you said about, like, you know, about football, because there was a story this week in the Los Angeles Times in which uh, the doctors and nurses at uh, the uh, university hospital, at the, I guess the UCLA hospital, uh, were complaining about how they couldn't, they didn't have enough tests for both their patients and themselves. While you, while the athletic department at UCLA was running like a thousand tests a week. Yeah, that's crazy. I saw that headline, uh, but that's that's crazy that they do that. But that just shows you everything, right? Mm-hmm. It tells you our priorities are, are are misplaced, and I think this is important too because as we watch one end, uh, as we watch college football season kind of, I think you know crawl to an ending, uh, as you know bowl games are canceled because of COVID and teams are losing games left and right. Um, uh, basketball, college basketball, is starting back up, right? And right. it's it's interesting that we've already you know like we're in week one. And we're seeing massive amounts of cancellations. Um, oh, know. Louisville begging for games. Yeah, I mean, uh, no, not on, just Notre Dame on the Twitters. Or, yeah, yeah, on Twitter, like, 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 DM uh, like me if you want to play. Like, so, <laughs> someone sent me the name of that book that they were talking about the other day in my DM. Like, like, it's it is crazy to watch, uh, and so. Uh, you know, I'm very uh, pro Maryland. Uh, I don't have a lot of time, so I try to watch my alma mater. And uh, we had a game against somebody canceled, George Mason, I believe, and that was canceled because of COVID. We scheduled Towson, that was canceled because of COVID. Jeez. And now we're going to play, I believe, on Saturday at James Madison, right? Like, uh, you know, and I'm like, this is just like it's cr- it's literally, uh, uh, you know, a free for all, right? And I think that the one of the interesting things to watch 
is, you know, usually coaches are like, we can't schedule, we, you know, we can't fix our schedule because we've three years out. But as I watched him try to get a game on Twitter, tells me that it's not really a serious. I'm like, it's a, there's a lot of other questions that are being raised as well. Like, if the coach is begging for a game on Twitter, right. why why are they getting paid that much money? Right. Who's the AD? <laughs> right. What's your job? Right. Like, isn't that somebody else's job? I'm just asking. I don't know. Like, and so I think that it just raises, you know, it's like the, you know, it, it raises, it gives us a behind the scenes look at the kind of chaos that is sure to follow. And the NCAA, like, as we talk about, I think we may have mentioned this a while ago. Whereas college football, uh, their decision to play is rooted at the conference level because the conferences negotiate their own television contracts and whatnot, uh, and that the BCS money is 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 are um, is negotiated um, vis-a-vis the NC2A. Uh, the NC2A's budget is almost exclusively tied to March Madness, <laughs> right? And they so get one in. So they canceled March Madness last year. There's no way they can probably fiscally afford to cancel March Madness this year. Right. And, and a billion so, dollars. Right, a billion dollar contract with CBS, right? And so uh, it, it's, you know, these young men and women who are also uh, being played, uh, who will be forced or, you know, encouraged to play uh, in this environment need to be looked at. So I think the thing that we're watching that I'm watching as we head in from, you know, the end of the year into next year is how college football ends and how college basketball, uh, is able to maintain, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's integrity given right. COVID. <laughs> right. Men's and women, right? Don I believe Don Staley and the South Carolina team, the the Gamecocks, they uh several of their players uh kneeled during the anthem. Uh yeah. no, it's uh they did? Yeah. prediction they will win it all this year. I, yeah. Yeah, they'll win it all. I'm I'm looking forward to it. They just I like, lost tonight I, though. I, I watch women's college basketball. Did they no way? Did you see it? Really? They lost. They lost to NC State tonight. Yes. Was, we're breaking, we're breaking oh, news on this pod. Breaking news on, on this pod that you're going to listen to a week at later. Uh, wow. Yes. Wow. How about that? I, there was my prediction. Um, no, I'm really interested in seeing uh, UConn's got this player, Paige Buckers, who's really uh, – she's a freshman uh, point guard coming in from Minnesota. She's really good. And, and like, my prediction is because, you know, women's – uh, basketball players are there for four years that when these NIL hits, she's going to make she's a huge following on social media. Yeah, She's going to make a lot of uh, money uh, out there. Um, and I still, speaking of money and college athletes, I still haven't read that cheerleader piece uh, from the New York Times yet about how much money they're making. Um, and these college athletes can't Oh, make I, it saw that. I saw I that. I saw that. I haven't. I didn't. That's like on the dock to read. Oh yeah, I need to read that. That's what we need to read before next pod. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Um, who is this? Uh, UConn has a woman that they got in their signing class. Oh, Azzy Fudd. Azzy Fudd. Oh, she yeah. can play too. Yeah, and she can shoot. No. She can shoot. She can shoot. She just had like knee surgery. Um, I think this past year, but um, no, nah, she's probably the best senior in the country. Just flat out to shoot, but she's like you know one of these new types of players who. Who who the grind is you know it's on you know it's on Instagram so you see the workouts 
you know, they always post and stuff, but they in, they get up a lot of shots. They work out a lot. They put, you know, hours and hours in. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I don't know, you know, speaking of someone who just, I you know, I, I took my daughter to the Y today. You have to reserve a spot, only one, uh, two people per court, like if they're family. If they're not family, only one person. So it's really restricted. Um, you know, we spend about an hour going light, but I don't know like how much your body can take, right? Like these new guys in the NBA and be interesting to see if there's stats like that in the WNBA because those women are coming four years after college and now they're putting in hours and hours of work, like what their bodies can handle because I know the the younger male players' bodies are breaking. You know, they're, they're missing a lot of time. Zion, RJ Barrett, these guys, mm-hmm. uh, they're because they do two-a-days, they put in a lot of hours when they're 12, 13, 14 years old. Uh, just for that one goal to make the NBA, and then all of a sudden you got 82 games, right? And, and you're <laughs> right. playing against world class athletes, so your body tends to grind down. Uh, but no, UConn's going to be set for the next. They're always set though, um, yeah. but they're going to be set, set because um, those are really good players. Um, no, I think you know. No, I mean, I think I, you know. I think this is the thing. I mean, I think in uh, soccer we talk a little bit about this uh, quite a bit in terms of women's sports because I think. You know, I think the soccer culture, uh, the club sports, uh, the individual training has been it actually was probably a little bit ahead of, of basketball uh, and football in this sense, especially because it was a suburban sport primarily uh, in the U.S. Uh, but we've seen this in women's soccer for a number of years, for decades, actually, where we've known that the number of knee injuries is 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 overwhelmingly high uh, uh, in, in women's soccer in particular. Um, and you know, some of that is just, you know, injuries that happen in the course of the game, but some of the, you know, it's hard to tell where the train overtraining starts, but I think this pandemic is, is going to be interesting, right? Like, I think, you know, how do we, I think you mentioned this on a couple of podcasts, a few, a, a few podcasts back about how we're in the first generation of these guys who were, um, individually trained, right? Like we had right. the A, we, you know, we've transitioned from the AU guys, right? Uh, you know, we transitioned from the high school guys to the AAU guys. Now we got the AAU guys and personal trainer guys. And I think that's that's where we're we're at now, where this is the generation of personal trainers. That'd be something to keep our eye on in terms of how we mark uh, right. chronology in terms of, of player development. Well, well, check this out. Like, especially now that students are online, right? And so I know a lot of people who who they just you know, you take your online class, but you work out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, if you're not if you're not synchronous or whatever, you're doing more workouts, more individual workouts. And I was watching, um, I know somebody who started his little thing, you know, a training session out here. And, you know, he posted this Instagram, really good trainer. Uh, but, you know, it's ending with the guy he's working with checking into school online into his class and i'm like my goodness like (laughs) this kid is up and then he's just checking he doesn't have to go to class he's just on his phone now watching the class after he just worked out right like making Mm -hmm. it right on time and i'm like this is you know this is where we're at right and i think what's interesting is one of the things that we talked about european players like a luca come ready at the they can come ready at 18 because they're not, you know, they're going to school, but they're they're full time basketball players, right? Right, and I think we're getting to that generation, right? Yeah, uh, we're getting. We, you know what though? Yeah. One of the things that we're getting at is 
So what makes, because I, uh, as a former soccer player, who was uh, a soccer star? Who no, played. Let, let, let's not, star let's is a, let's, uh, star is definitely a bridge too far. Um, was probably in Jet Magazine uh, uh, when they pre- previewed every black soccer player in America. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't quite that old. Um, with a flat top. With a flat top. No, I've been ball for Ebony a long Magazine. time. Ebony soccer Magazine. Soccer players of the ACC. Right, nineteen ninety four. But what's what's interesting is that one of the things that 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 in soccer circles they talk about is the you know that the United States is always behind, in part because uh, the way that clubs you know European clubs and professionalization worked right that you get in a club, an, an elite club at you know as young as eight right and you get elite training you get elite coaching you still go into school and then at fourteen. I believe it's 14 or 14 or 16 guys have to be brought on to the senior side. So they'll be offered a contract, right? Right. And if they're not offered a contract um, or they don't want a contract uh, or they don't like the terms, they can come, you know, some of them come to us and whatever. Uh, But that professionalization means that, you know, young, like we watched the world cup. You're like, why is Mbappe killing these guys at 19 years old? And we got, you're like, you know, and he's like world class. Like I'm one of the top, you know, eight, nine guys in the entire world at 19. Right. <laughs> and, you know, we're just like we're happy to have someone on a European team at 19. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think that that's, you know, part of it is that European uh, professional culture. Right. That he's been professionalized since he was 10. And and so, you know, nine years of professional athletics as a pro with pro coaching has allowed him to really hit his stride at, at a much earlier age than we see here. And I think we're trying to move towards that. But one of the things that that's unique about America and this sporting world, at least for me is that it requires individual wealth, right? Like you can't, like there's no institution that does this, (laughs) you know, like it's individual coaches working out individual players for parents who can pay. Um, and I think that um, I think that that is an interesting dynamic, which works for us, I think, at basketball um, and, and, and perhaps even at football. But like I think in other sports, it's not nearly as effective. I think it's why, that's why we're very good. We have American tennis players and golfers are really good because individualized paying is the whole nature of the sport. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. No, these trainers are, are ridiculous out here. Good thing, good thing my kid's dad knows how to play basketball. I'm just kidding. We just shoot. We just shoot. And 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 the and the, and the theory behind it is like you're gonna want to be able to play when you're 40. Ain't nobody <laughs> gonna want to play with you at 40 if you can't shoot. So that's it. We're not yeah. trying to get a college scholarship. We're looking to play in Y ball at 40. Well, I, here's what I will say to all our uh, people who have uh, kids who are aspiring to be college athletes. I think that uh, college athletics is a very wide berth. And while we as fans focus on what we think of as big time athletics, I think there's a unique opportunity for uh, for parents and for kids to to get quality education playing uh sports at various levels division three naia division two um you know 
in in hindsight, I wish I had not gone. You know, I like I went to Maryland on an academic scholarship, so it was very, um, you know, so that was not really the problem. But it, you know, it. I wish I had thought more. I wish I had understood the full range of of university possibilities. That's what I'll say. Right. And you right, know, right. like like these, like Oberlin, for instance, which is an amazing institution. Like I could have played there easily, right, and had a great education, um, and small classes and things of that nature. I mean, those are kinds of places that we don't think. I like about. I like Oberlin, by the way, like that campus area. Like I like that kind of. I wouldn't want to be stuck there, but that small town feel is pretty cool. It's like it's a college town, right? Right. Yeah, and I think that there's something you know, and I think that there there are colleges that are not on people's radar in part. Um, because of, uh, you know, because of the way, you know, we commercial sports, commercialized sports work in terms of our television time and our eyes. Right. Um, I mean, this is a problem for HBCUs. This is one of the things I talk a little bit about in my book is that like, it's not just simply a recruiting issue. Um, uh, but it's, it's not Florida A&M versus, you know, University of Florida. It's Florida A&M versus Central Florida. (laughs) Right or right. Florida A and M versus South Florida FIU or FAU, right? Florida like, Atlantic, right? right? Like those right. schools, right? Those are the places where you you start to see the leakage in terms of talent or recruiting, um, and I think that black colleges, um, because parents, if you don't if you don't grow up around uh, HBCU grads, that's not even part of your culture or part of your understanding. You know, you're more apt to be like, I'm going to go to North Dakota State over Howard, and that doesn't to me. As an African American, that don't make no sense whatsoever. Right, right. Like, like it just it doesn't, you know. Um, and right. North Dakota State's got great facilities or whatnot, but you know, as a as a young African American man playing football or basketball or a woman playing basketball or track or soccer, it makes no sense to go to some of these regional institutions when you could go to an HBCU and get a comparable education. Uh, and probably a better education, uh, but you know, just in terms of your experience, like right. spending winters in North Dakota or South Dakota, like I, I find that to be amazing. After spending five winters in Dart at Dartmouth, oh, oh, yeah, no, 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 no. We'll see though. Like we'll see. Um, so we never did our. We should have done a Dion pod. Uh, but you know, my man at uh, Howard, you know the top, you know the top recruit. They they wind up shutting him yeah. down for a while, right? Maker yeah. Maker or whatever his name is. Yeah, they're yeah. shutting him down. Yeah, I mean, I, a, and I haven't seen him play, so I, can't I watched a little bit the other day. Out. It was it, it did look good. Um, it didn't didn't look he good. didn't look good or or just the squad around? Uh, just a little bit of everything. I think they you know they I think they played a powerhouse team earlier. Then they lost a Division two Queens College, but Queens College is like the number top five Division two team. Yeah. In the you know what I mean? So like on paper it feels terrible, but in reality that team is one of the better teams. You know, right. so like it, like is there a difference between you know? a 200 ranked team in division one and a top 10 team in division two, probably not. <laughs> not that much. It's, it would just be maybe size, right? Like, so like, yeah. you know, here we're at a, where our school is like a division two powerhouse in every sport. And so, but the guys just aren't, you know, your tall players are like six, six, you know, what right. I mean? you're bigger. So you're playing just a different brand of ball. Yeah. Um, 
you know, it's more, you know, shooting and then you'll have some athletes who, who just can't absolutely shoot. Um, but warm-ups are awesome to watch. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, look, 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 I mean, this happens everywhere, right? And I think it happens everywhere. Yeah. Like Richmond just beat Kentucky at UK the other day. And, you know, their starting point guard was like five, nine, I think. Um, and he was a terror against Kentucky's five-star high school All-Americans. He, he, he must've had 20 points and, you know, seven assists and six steals or something crazy. Wow. Like, like it was, a, it was, a, it was, it was tough. He was tough. Wow. And they, you know, it was, I was laughing cause I was watching a game with my brother and I was like, I was like, man, these dudes have never seen a back screen. Like it's clear. Like they didn't know how to defend a bunch of stuff. And it's early in the nice. season. I've just been doing AAU for five years, and, right? And, and then high school, it didn't pressing matter. and and going and it's pressing and it's spread offense, right? And it's nothing. You're not. You're not. Yeah, it's just the game has completely changed. But anyway, man, I think because that's a whole another subject that I'll just keep going on and on and on about. Yeah. So I think it's time, man. I think we gotta. Yeah, we, we got gotta, a long. We have this, time to, to go. 20. We gotta go, Nate. Nate. Nate yeah. Robinson, sorry, I, I won't say that. Yeah. <laughs> no, we got it. Wait, wait, because we got the boxing expert on here. I got, I got two minutes. Tell me about this. How, how shall I feel about this Tyson, uh, uh, Roy this, Jones? This is old guys fighting, man, and 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 old wash guys, right? And and I just think one is just that boxers will always have. We can always say that boxing is dead, but look, nobody would pay big money to see. Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley play basketball one on one at the age of sixty. Right, you're not shelling out that kind of money, and that says something about the the what a big time boxer like Mike Tyson had. And I think Roy's the undercard on that, and he's the boxer of the '90s, right? I mean, right. he's he's not quite like De La Hoya popularity because De La Hoya had crossover appeal, but but Roy's the fighter of the '90s, right? And 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 but Tyson hasn't had a quality win in thirty years. Roy hasn't been right since Tarver too, right? Like just mm. in his mind. And it's just like old guys. But I think the most important thing to take out of this is that if you don't box, you shouldn't box, right? And that's <laughs> that Nate Robinson one, right? Because somebody like a, I don't know who it is, Jake Paul, Logan Paul, if that guy has a little bit more training than you, it's, it's yeah. over, right? If right. you got no training, if you can't, if you don't know how to protect yourself, one, right? Yeah. And two, if you don't know how to throw a punch and you fight somebody, then that's it. So so basketball players, basketball players, from now on, when, when you get in that scuffle, just that's it. We know now because everybody thought, you know, I mean, there was a couple of years ago where Nate Robinson made Carmel Anthony back up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're at this point where it's like, man, we, we know you guys. So so don't throw punches. You're basketball players, and, and it's okay just to be basketball players. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I gotta, you know, it's one thing to lose weight and think of it as workout, right? Like as a fancy way to lose, you know, like as a keep, you know, change up your gym workout. White, white collar boxing, right? Right. Yeah, right. But I will say this: I want to give it since we're talking about boxing. I want to shout out to one of my former students, Vic Williams, who's who who is a uh, uh, an excellent uh, all Ivy League player in football, and now as a up and coming Gold Gloves fighter in the Washington DC area. Shout out to you, Vic. Um, uh, I watched some of Vic's stuff on uh, his fights and his workouts. And I realized that like, that is just not 
you know, the stuff that he does when he helps people train and what happens right. in the gym are two totally like two totally different things. Right. And um and boxes I think, are crazy. And they're in crazy shape. Like you gotta Right, yeah, no, it's crazy. And uh yeah. and that, and that, and I wanna say uh before we end, because this is now my time at the end of this Dell show, uh that by the time you guys hear this on December fourth, shout out to the good brothers of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity as we celebrate Founders Day, uh, 114 years uh, of of good works uh, by the brothers. Uh, so shout out to my fellow uh, members of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. All right. And, that, and on that note, that's it, man. Peace. Peace. <laughs>